ChatGPT. Very exciting, a little scary. And is it changing the face of public education and communications? We will have a roundtable discussion coming up on the School PR Podcast. Advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, teachers, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Nichols Strategies. And now, here's your host, Ryan Ferran. All right, and welcome back into the School PR Podcast. Thrilled to be with you. It is episode 68, and it is an interesting one. Chat GPT. What the heck is it? Why is it so exciting? And why are some people very concerned? I have two very special guests, uh, friends of mine, Scott Bramley, Chief Technology Officer, and Greg Azanian, Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer. And uh, like myself, have been very curious and playing around a little bit with Chat GPT. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for uh, joining me this evening. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. It's great. So, Greg, you were actually the first, I think maybe a week or two ago, to tell me about ChatGPT. You were all excited, sent a text, and I'm like, what is this? I was kind of mildly interested, didn't think too much of it. Scott, last week, you sent me something like, oh my goodness, this thing is crazy. Have you checked it out? And I'm like, what is this? This is the thing that Greg was talking about. And I wasn't that interested. And I'm like, I got to give this a try. I tried it. And now I want to do nothing but talk about ChatGPT. <laughs> this thing is incredible. I guess, Greg, if you could kind of give our listeners just a little summary of what ChatGPT is um, for people that have no clue kind of about it. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. And I'll try not to go too much into the technical details, but essentially ChatGPT uh, is a natural evolution of uh, a uh, product or service by the company or organization, OpenAI. And what they do is train uh, neural networks. And what that means is they have computer programs that will look through massive amounts of data. And they've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, and when it does that, it can essentially do an autocomplete on questions that you ask. Uh, you may have seen similar technology, even though it may not seem similar when you write an email that says, are you trying to say this? And it'll autocomplete the sentence for you. Uh, ChatGPT is essentially the next evolution of that software. And what it is, is you'll type in a question or a prompt, or you'll uh, really kind of frame what you want it to say. And this large artificial intelligence neural network will try its best to answer that question. Uh, and what we've seen, and you'll probably go into this a little bit later on the podcast, uh, it's really generated some interesting information, whether you're asking it to write a press release or write a song or answer a question, uh, and it allows the computer to do that in an automated way. Um, so that's just a broad overview, but I'm sure we're going to be getting into some uh, uh, deeper examples as we go on. Yeah, that's a great example of it. It's basically a website, and I think they're going to have an app too, if they don't already, where you just put in a prompt. Uh, I did this. I know you guys tested it too. We'll talk about each other's, what we put in the, in the prompt and what we got out. Um, I put in, you know, write a press release on, you know, Arcadia Unified's latest niche rankings in uh, 2022. And it gives you a press release and you watch it, write it in like 15 seconds. 
as Greg said, you can also put in, write a all staff email about um, the coronavirus latest guidelines. Put in whatever you want, even write a song, whatever. And uh, it shoots it out. It gathers all this data very quickly. And it is freaky scary because it is good and it's very accurate. Scott, you were the first one to actually not only test it, but you used it uh, in in your work and sent out an email just using it. What, what did you do? Well, Ryan, uh, much like you, I'd seen things on social media about it. I'd heard um, some people talking about it, but I kind of let that go until last Friday when I read um, an article on The Atlantic called The End of High School English by Daniel Herman. And when I read that article, it made me start thinking about the implications for education and quickly um, brought me to the point where I thought I need to look at this and try this and see what it's going to do um, because I knew it was only a matter of time before educators in our district and others started talking about it, being concerned about it, some being excited about it. And so um, it, funny you say you can put anything in. I, I was sitting there in front of it and the first thing that came to mind is make some suggestions for a Christmas present for my wife. <laughs> and it actually generated a list that gave me really good suggestions way beyond what I was thinking about. Um, and so that made me chuckle a little bit when, when I did that. But then I had a note on my desk for the last two and a half weeks that said, uh, email all staff about increase in phishing emails and a reminder for staff to be cautious um, when reading and clicking on things in emails, which is something I tr usually do this time of year. And it usually takes me hours to get that email the way I want it. I put in a prompt. It typed an outstanding email hitting all of the points that I could think of um, that I wanted to include in that email. So instead of spending three hours, I copied and pasted it and sent it out to all of our staff. Um, most everyone probably thinks I sat and wrote that email. Um, I have shared with with many of our leaders that, that I was able to create that email in 20 seconds and have it sent out. And it saved me three or four hours on Friday afternoon. And um, I, that got me really excited about the possibilities. And you only changed one minor detail from what it gave you, right? I did. I changed the name of our department from IT to TIS for Technology and Information Services. And then I went back later and I changed the prompt and I included my name, my title, and the name of the department and, and had it recreate it. And it wrote an even better email that included all of that, that I would have had to change nothing. So that was a really good lesson in how changing the prompt changes the direction of what it writes. It's so impressive. When you do this, you put in the prompt and you get something out, you're like, oh my goodness. Um, Greg, so just so people know, so right now it seems that this is an open source. They're getting more testing to get their algorithms even better. So it's free for everybody. I actually, after I was playing with it one day, went back on the next day and the server was too busy, couldn't even get on because I think it's, everyone's catching word of it. What, do you, what have you put in it, Greg, that you've been uh, kind of impressed with? What are some of the prompts that you gave it? 
You know, there are a few things that have been really impressive to me uh, that I've seen come out of OpenAI. Uh, like Scott, uh, one of the first things I did was think of a, a prompt for an email to send out. Uh, for example, um, you know, we've been talking about trust and our values in our district a lot. You know, uh, write a letter or an email to um, our organization about the value of trust. And it was able to generate an email uh, that was very much in line with some of our values and how we would frame a general conversation about what that means in an organization. Another one that was absolutely fascinating, uh, and this goes back a year, year and a half ago, was uh, I give it the background. I'm on an executive team in a school district. Uh, we need to have a meeting about the impact of COVID on our district. What should we talk about? And it uh, generated a meeting agenda of about nine to 10 different items. Uh, and again, it was very much in line of something that we would talk about, uh, issues that would be important. Uh, and finally, uh, and this is more on the technical side, as you know, my background uh, was a programmer. And I said, uh, just to see how far we could push this thing, write me a computer program that averages uh, classroom assignment grades together. And it actually generated a computer program uh, that you could use in a normal app. Uh, so really, there's just a, a wide variety of sources and types of documents that it can generate. Uh, and again, this is because they've trained the system on just massive, massive amounts of data and it can replicate that moving forward. So I think the variety is impressive, uh, certainly from meeting agendas to sample letters or emails or template and even computer programming. They've really covered a lot of bases in what they've generated. Here's an example of what I put in and what it spit out. So I said, write a 200 word email reminder for the California School Public Relations Association members about the upcoming annual conference, which will be held in San Diego in March of 2023. And this is what it gave me within 10 seconds. Dear members of the California School Public Relations Association, we wanted to remind you about the upcoming annual conference, which will be held in San Diego in March of 2023. This is a great opportunity for members of the association to come together, network, and learn from one another. The conference will feature a variety of workshops, and presentations on topics relevant to school public relations professionals. There will also be networking events and opportunities to connect with other members of the association. We encourage you to register early to secure your spot at the conference and take advantage of the early bird pricing. You can find more information and register on the association's website. We look forward to seeing you in San Diego in March. Best regards, your name, enter it here in brackets, CALSPRA. I mean, I would change maybe one thing or just insert the website. That is pretty spot on. And what is even more freaky is that it knew about our early bird pricing. And that's kind of something we do hammer to people is like there's stages of pricing, the networking opportunities, like those are big selling points of our conference. So seeing that was incredible. And there's also an option where you could do, so after you get this, you could say, what is it? Try again, and it'll give you another slightly tweaked version. Or you can go back and adjust your prompt to add more details. Greg, where do you think they're kind of evolving to get to? I mean, it's really good now. It seems like they're honing it in. What are the next steps? Yeah, Ryan, I think you've identified uh, both an amazing part of this and perhaps a little nerve-wracking, curious, and that this is probably the worst that this system will ever be, meaning that it's continually improving. And one of the most important ways to improve these systems is to have actual humans interacting with it. And just in looking at the the stats about who's using it, uh, the number of users they've gotten in just a week or two 
uh, has been mind-boggling. I think the uh, the increase in usage has rivaled uh, even some of the uh, the most used services in the world. So uh, as far as where it's going, I think you're going to see a lot of improvement as far as the data that it's using. Every time someone uses it, uh, the company gets more information about what works and what doesn't. Every time someone hits try again, I would imagine that there's an engineer somewhere looking at what that is uh, looking like and how it could have done better. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that this um, model that they're using uh, to power this system is fixed. Uh, I don't know if you've gotten this message on there, but it'll give you a warning message. Hey, there was a cutoff date for training this model. Uh, and that's something to keep in mind, is that it takes a huge amount of resources to train this model, so there was a cutoff date. Uh, in fact, I, I believe the other day we asked it, um, you know, tell me about the COVID booster. Uh, and along those lines, it said, oh, the COVID booster is not available yet. And the reason was, you know, it was a number of months ago when they cut off the training for the bot, for the engine. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see two things. And I think there's two evolutions happening right now. One, there's the technical evolution of the product, which happens every time someone uses it and they can train it to get better, to give better answers. But two, I think there's a social evolution happening, meaning there are millions of people now playing around with it, trying different things and asking the question, what is this going to look like as we integrate it into our everyday lives? Uh, and Scott, I think you alluded to it. We've talked about this. What does it mean if... Um, a student comes to class with an essay that was uh, in part or in whole written by ChatGPT. Uh, and I didn't mention this during my examples earlier, but I actually took our interview questions that we've used to interview new employees in certain positions, and I essentially made ChatGPT interview in this role uh, with our interview questions, and it did very well. Now, would ChatGPT be able to do that role? Probably not, but in terms of the types of answers we look for, for the keywords we look for when running interviews, we saw that. So again, I think uh, there's a technical evolution happening right now that the system is going to get more and more accurate as to what we would expect to see from answers. But there's a social evolution as we try to decide what is this going to look like as it becomes part of our lives, whether it's the um, time savings, as it writes the first draft of the template, uh, whether people are using it, uh, either passing it off as their own work, or whether there just is an expectation that this is a reality now, that uh, AI-assisted work products uh, went from being very expensive and not the norm to could very well be the norm very quickly. And Scott, you were talking about, uh, you and I were talking last week, there was a question on my listserv if anyone has sent out communications about chat GPT yet, and it kind of no one really picked up on. It. I don't think many people know about it yet, but I know your colleagues throughout the state have been talking about it. You, Greg, alluded to it, what you mentioned earlier about the article in the Atlantic and the English essays and our, our kids just use this really quick. You kind of looked into that a little deeper and found some interesting things about uh, <laughs> the uh, I forget the plagiarism website and all that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> it is interesting. English teachers are nervous. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that the more we talk about it and the more we hear about it, the more we see the impact it may have on education or will have on education. And so yesterday on one of my uh, listserv group email conversations, um, it came up quickly. And this is kind of a quiet group that I don't get a lot of emails on and all of a sudden they were rolling in rather quickly. So I opened them up and it was really a lot of conversation about districts decisions to block chat G GPT or not and and what implications it might have in the classroom. And um, my response to that, at least the conversations we've had with our leadership have been, it really is not going to help us to block 
this from students on Arcadia Unified devices because most students have access to personal devices, whether it's a phone or some kind of computer or, or even desktop type computers at home, they're going to have access to this um, regardless of whether we allow it on our devices or we don't allow it on our devices. And so I think it, it's really more important that we learn to harness this tool and use it to our advantage as opposed to um, being concerned about you know, whether it's detrimental or not, because it's here and it's not going away. And it's the first of probably many. And so I think it's going to be a challenge for us as technology leaders. It's going to be um, a challenge for PR leaders. It's going to be a challenge for principals, teachers. It, it just is, is one of those. It's the next thing, right? Um, I, I still uh, remember back in the day where um, students were not allowed to use the internet for research for projects. They were required to go to the school library or the city library to do their research. That seems mm -hmm. kind of ridiculous today, but but that's the way it was. And I feel like we're going to have to kind of go through that evolution with chat GPT as well. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it also came up that it could be an equity issue, right? Because if we block it, and a student doesn't have a phone and everybody else has a phone and can use it, then you, you have a, an equity issue that nobody ever thought of. So um, I think there's lots and lots of implications to this, and we are just barely scratching the surface. Well, you bring up some good points too. We, while ChatGPT is new, the idea of something new in education is not new. The calculator, cliff notes, the internet itself. And now there's, the, I mean, you want to buy a paper, you can buy a paper. So this is, and, you know, we found, you know, a take away the calculator like that. I don't know that turns you into a mathematician and, and that works so well. Um, I, you said you came across somebody that tested it in the plagiarism website thing. What What did they find about taking what, chat GPT gave them for an essay and if it came up as plagiarized? I've seen several people who have tested it um, against different uh, plagiarism tools such as turnitin.com and everything I've seen has been somewhere between zero and and six or seven percent plagiarized. Most of them closer to the zero mark than the six or seven percent in the cases that I've seen. So it is generating unique content. That it is remarkable. And the tone that it spits it out too is like, it's a nice, friendly, personal tone. It's not this robotic, what we used to get years ago with AI. It's very personable. And when I put in, so I had it write the press release. Um, one of the versions was pretty accurate, but it did get some data points wrong. It got our enrollment wrong. It used a different uh, website address. So it wasn't great, but it did put in a quote from our superintendent that sounded exactly like our superintendent. And I didn't say put in a quote. I didn't tell them who the, you know, our superintendent was, what I was looking for. And man, it looked very good, the quote. And then I tried the try again option. And like the third version looked really good. And there was things I definitely would change and would have to change. But starting for, for me, writing is, I enjoy it. It's easy for me. So to write a press release doesn't take that long, but to go from zero to having just a template I can edit 
I mean, that speeds up the process a lot. I know a lot of school comms people are nervous about their jobs, but it's like writing, it's it's unique. You got to talk to people, do interviews. But Scott, you were saying like the phishing email you put out, you would spend some time on that. You know, you're sending it to all staff. You want them to do the right thing. So you went from, you know, an hour or so writing that to, you know, 15 seconds, you made one adjustment of the title name. So it is um, not a perfect, and as Greg said, this is the worst version of it that it's going to be. Um, it's just incredible right now. Yeah, I I have to say it blew my mind when I asked it to write that email. And like I said, after I got excited, I shared it with Greg. I said, what do you think? I think I'm going to send this. He looked it over. He's like, it feels like it hit every point. I think you should do it. And And so I did send it. Then I went back and played with the prompt and started learning how changing the prompt changes your results. And I think that's a really key thing when you start to look at it and try it to understand, because you were talking about the tone. It does write with a great tone, but you can adjust that as well. You can, you can put in, um, for example, I, I tried, you know, write a friendly email to such and such or or write a stern email about, um, about I, I think I did an HR incident of some sort, I don't remember. And it does adjust the tone based on, on what you put in the prompt. So, you know, the more information you put in the prompt, the more you get. Like for your example, um, I believe you had to, you know, it still said at the bottom, it said your name and, and ask, or it, so you had to add your name and everything. Mm -hmm. If you put in the prompt that you're Ryan Ferran, Chief Communications, Operator, uh, Chief Communications Officer, for Arcadia Unified School District, it would have put that in the email for you. It would already would have been there. It's it's uh, scary good right now. And look, it's freaking some people out. Like, I think we're all excited about it. Um, but do you know of any districts already that are blocking it and pretty nervous about it, Scott, that you've heard throughout the state or country? So in that conversation yesterday in that group email, there were several, several districts that had blocked it. Um, which wow. seemed like a reactionary decision. Um, some of them had blocked it temporarily till they could figure out how to message and and talk about it. So I don't know how many of them will do it permanently. I think the conversation around my response um, was was pretty well supported by the other people in the email. Gen the general feeling that we we can't run and hide from this. There's no way. You know, it's not like we can stop this. So we do need to learn to embrace it and make it work for us instead of against us. Yeah, this is one of the most, I think, biggest advances advances in technology that we've seen in a long time. This is kind of revolutionary and it, it, it's just fascinating because that, that does scare some people, it excites you and it's, and it's a little bit of both. It, it is interesting though, right now it's free, it's open source, but, and they're pretty clear. I, I like how they're honest. They said like, look, there's going to be mistakes when you put this in, like on the homepage, they said they're, they're making no bones about like, this is, this is a prototype. We're working through it. There will be mistakes. This is as Greg pointed out with the COVID booster shot, like it could be wrong because it took data points from three months ago. So they're not trying to like sugarcoat anything. But Greg, it does seem like this is open and free, so help them with their algorithms and their program, but it is going to be for a cost and subscription or whatever. 
any inkling, um, and I think a lot of people would pay a pretty dime for this, when they finalize this and bundle it and put it out for sale, what the, what this thing is going to cost everybody? <laughs> well, Ryan, I think it could be one of the few things. So a little bit of background. Um, ChatGPT is based on an AI model called GPT-3, which was preceded by GPT-2 and GPT event originally. Um, so I was actually experimenting with GPT-3 a few months ago. Uh, I got into a beta version of it, which is essentially what we're all in with ChatGPT now, but it was free then. And now uh, they do charge for that direct access that I was experimenting with. I want to say it's at least a few cents per block of text that it generates. Um, but here's something I think that's really important to remember about these services. Uh, they created a front end for ChatGPT. Traditionally, it has been what's called an API service, meaning other people write programs that interact with it. So I, I think it remains to be seen whether ChatGPT will be the actual product that OpenAI provides or if it'll be more traditional like a uh, an API, which their past systems has been like. And again, the difference is an API is used by other programmers to create other websites. So for example, you could have a website called um, writemypressrelease.com, and then they contract with OpenAI to generate that uh, versus ChatGPT being the actual product. And uh, to be frank, I'm not sure if OpenAI knows which route they're going to go. I'm sure they're thinking about it, they're experimenting with it. But another thing I think that's very important to keep in mind is that it's very, very expensive for them to run these queries and to generate these these uh, blocks of text. And we don't feel that because it's free to all of us as we test it right now. Uh, but there was a talk internally at Google that I've read about, that I've heard about, and this just happened last week or so, which is some Google employees were saying, why, why are we not on top of this? Google's been experimenting with this form of AI for a long time. And uh, what the reporting has said about that conversation in Google is that it's still far too expensive to be used on a daily basis at Google. Uh, in fact, they'd be looking for a 10x decrease in cost before they seriously engaged in it as a, as a search product. So um, my sense, my guess is that OpenAI is taking a hit financially right now to get this training, to get word out about that. Uh, and what model they end up remains to be seen. I think they're going to be watching... Um, public perception of it very closely over the next few weeks, months, uh, six months to a year uh, to see what the threshold is, to see whether, I don't think this is a flash in the pan by any means. I think it'll stick around, but whether the excitement will die down. I know I saw at least one programmer who said I would pay $1,000 a month for this because it helps me with my job so much. Uh, but again, I think in a way they're crowdsourcing both the technical side and they're crowdsourcing uh, the marketing uh, application side as well. So uh, to loop back to your question, I think um, I, I'm guessing they'll give us at least another few months of this being free, if not longer. And where it goes from there will be based a lot on their uh, products that they want to create or their services that they want to provide. Whatever it's going to be, I want stock in it for sure, because <laughs> this thing is going to be, I mean, even now I would pay for this version and knowing like, I mean, I'm going to make some edits. It may not be accurate in some situations, but the value you get in it. Um, besides me and me losing my job to chat GPT and, uh, just, you know, you guys just putting in a prompt and I'm gone. And, uh, what other, you know, we've seen this with evolutions of kiosk and, you know, the, the checkouts and grocery stores and in fast food restaurants, just go to the, go up to the machine and that now that's now doing a job of what used to be a human being. What jobs do you guys see? in jeopardy, slightly in jeopardy, maybe not tomorrow, but when this thing gets even better, 
um, besides, and don't be too depressing for our audience, which is all school PR people that do a lot of writing, but uh, do you guys see any other jobs that are in jeopardy or maybe that will be really helped by this? I don't know that the job would be in jeopardy. It was very interesting. Um, the first day or last Friday when I was looking at it, uh, Greg asked it to generate um, some code and, you know, specified the language that he wanted the code written in and the process that he'd like it to write. And it generated that code in seconds, which was really interesting. Um, I, I don't know that that puts the job in jeopardy. It might it might make the job easier, much like we say it's great to get a start or a framework for, for a press release or for an email or for whatever it is that we're writing. Um, but, but it certainly was fascinating to watch it write code in seconds, just like it wrote. Oh, one of the other things I did um, was asked it to uh, write something and translate it in three different languages, write it in English, simplified Chinese and Spanish. Um, wow. and, and the first two that I did were a little longer and, and I think I broke chat GPT, <laughs> but, um, but the third one, I did something shorter and it, it translated it in, in the other two languages. That's impressive. Greg, what do you think, um, helpful to some industries, hurtful to others, or as far as, you know, what do you think about, uh, jobs and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think it's both, Ryan. And I, you know, when I think about the impact of AI or really any technology when it comes to job jobs is that we should let technology be good at what technology is good at and let people be good at what people are good at. Um, so I think the first question is, what is ChatGPT and similar types of AI good at? It is great at consolidating and processing and uh, reforming massive amounts of data and templates. Uh, so for example, the letters, you know, it, it's not thinking in the way that people are. It's saying, okay, I have 10,000 examples of press releases. And when I see these keywords that Ryan types in as part of my neural network, uh, this is what it looks like. As much as it looks like it's creating brand new things, it's really using massive templates. Um, so I, I think it's uh, you know beneficial at pulling data together. Uh, I think it can give us a lot of starting places, but I believe the jobs that are really driven by creativity, uh, by having deep relationships, by knowing what's going on in a broader context, uh, are very much safer now. And I, I know uh, your target audience is uh, school PR folks. And I, I just think of the amazing work you've done on the teams that we've been on together. And something ChatGPT cannot do right now is no general community sentiment, for example. Uh, as you know, every challenge we face in our community is different and people respond to it in different ways. Uh, ChatGPT can't look at a, uh, a parent or a student at a board meeting and see what their reaction is and integrate that into its response. Um, not to say the technology may not get there eventually, but I think that uh, really contextual awareness as it generates this content is very much safe. And really, I think most jobs that would be impacted by that uh, are certainly doing all right uh, still. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, you know, while I don't think, you know, jobs are initially going to be at risk for this, especially during this beta period. I think there are parts of our jobs uh, that we can reclaim in terms of time 
Uh, Scott, I think you mentioned it. You have taken hours on that email and you had a template written uh, just very quickly. So in my ideal world, uh, that's time we're getting back that we can spend on other things, um, especially things that technology is not very good at. But in terms of specific jobs and evolutions, I, I think uh, you know we'll certainly see in time where, uh, where that impact is going to be. Chat GPT, write me an email response to an angry parent about COVID protocols. Now, that would be interesting because they're not sure which which side of the coin they're upset about, right? <laughs> you don't know uh, what they're upset about. You just know they're upset. So maybe it could write a, this neutral thing that, you know, they're, they're uh, <laughs> not upset. Uh, the one thing that I want to touch on that Greg said is, um, as we wrap up here, it is what's unique, and we kind of talked about with Scott, is the plagiarism. So it's not the prompt I gave it about the press release is a press release we've already written. So it's not just going and finding that and copying and pasting it. It is all unique writings. And that is what's so impressive. It's not going to spit out two of the same things. So somebody's not going to put in the same prompt. I can put in the same thing Scott can, and it's not going to give us the exact same answer. So that's where like the genius in it is kind of scary because it's, Everything you put out from it is going to be unique. So even if you're using it and you're saying you're not, I don't know how somebody would prove, no, you use chat GPT because there's, I mean, how would you do that right now? I don't think there's a way, even though I gave it the same prompt as our press release, it did not take our press release, which you kind of would think the early versions may have done, but that's what I think is kind of freakishly innovative about this platform, Scott, is that it just, nothing is they're not putting out two of the same writing examples ever. And I don't know how often you've experimented with it, but at the bottom of the page, when you have it write something, there's a try again button. And if you hit that try again button, you get a completely different version of what you asked for. And I've done it four or five times on a single prompt and just been amazed how different it is each time. So you're right. It would be almost impossible. I think it changes things. Um, you know, the, the, I, like, I don't think it's the end of high school English. I think it may change the way high school English is taught and what students are asked to do. It might be the end of asking students to sit in isolation at home and write a paper for hours on end at night and change it to sit in class with a pen and paper and and write your paper, which probably is good for kids. And um, so I think I think it's all about how we uh, embrace a technology like this and how we use a technology like this. And instead of being terrified by it, I think we need to think of the possibilities that it provides us because, um, you know, change, change is hard and change is really hard in education often. And, but, you know, I, I think we all saw during the pandemic, we saw those things that changed that were really good changes. Um, and I think this is just another kind of example of that. You know, we just have to figure out how to make this the most effective tool that we can. Yeah. And it's um, it's just it's interesting. But as we talked about, we've been there, done that. I mean, when Cliff Notes came out, everyone was freaking out. Oh, my God. Now the kids don't need to read the novel and they're just going to read this 20 page summary. And we found a way around that, you know, as we talked about and the internet came out, now kids are never going to write a paper. And we found ways to, you know, still engage students, make sure they're, 
you know, able and doing all this kind of work that we want them to do and thinking through the process. So I think you're right. It's, it's here. It's not going anywhere. We need to embrace it. And uh, educators are really good at that, uh, making sure we engage and are, you know, actually educating students despite whatever tools they have. We were all concerned about students bringing cell phones into the classroom and oh my goodness, we all blocked cell phones for years and internet access and it just, it didn't have this scary impact and we just need to learn to evolve with uh, technology. Uh, final thoughts, we'll wrap it up. Uh, you guys are two of the best in the business in your field. So this has just been an awesome conversation for me. This is, I think we're on the cutting edge of this. So it's just so fun to talk about. When you guys were telling me, I, I told you, I was like, eh, whatever. Once you use it, so if you're a listener and you haven't used it yet, you're probably like, ah, it's not that. Trust me, once you put in a few prompts, you're going to want to talk to to everyone else who's done the same. Greg, we'll uh, go to you first. Just some final thoughts uh, on ChatGPT and uh, what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered uh, most of it, but I, you know, I agree. We've seen a lot of uh, innovation in the last 20 years in technology, specifically in education. And with each one, there has been uh, concern and there has been adaptation. And ultimately, I think we've come out in a lot of ways in a better place because of it. Uh, you know, we often talk about going through our board archives and finding a uh, conversation about whether to add electricity to our classrooms back in the early 1900s. Uh, you know, whether to integrate <laughs> these, new, these new technologies is certainly not new to us, but yeah, I would encourage people to try it, to think about it, uh, think critically about it, and certainly be cautious. Uh, I'll end with uh, you know something that I think is just very important is as we integrate new technology, how do we continue to respect the the dignity and the uniqueness of people and make sure people are protected uh, as we integrate new technology. So uh, I'd love for us to just keep that in mind as we continue to experiment and to integrate. For sure. Great thoughts. Scott, will you miss me when I'm gone? <laughs> well, after after Greg explaining some of the um, some of the details of what's happening behind the scenes in this, I think you and I are probably pretty replaceable. Greg still has a future, but um, yes, I, I would say that um, that Friday was one of those. Just when I thought I'd seen everything over the years, you know, something else big came about, you know, and, and when I looked at it, that's how I felt because it's like, I, there's so many things in the last 20 years that I couldn't envision um, for technology and education and, and how we educate students. And to see this, all I could think is, wow, this is going to take us years to figure out how to effectively use this, but it's going to be so worth it when it's done. And probably a month from now, something else is going to hit us like that. The, the way technology advances today is is almost hard to believe. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's it's fun to be a part of. You know, we're, we're alive at a good time where we get to see some of this stuff. We're experienced. Uh, we're old enough to have had rotary phones and fax machines and all that. And now here we are with ChatGPT. That is just... Uh, mind-boggling and super exciting. Uh, appreciate the conversation, boys. Uh, really appreciate it. Scott Bramley, Greg Gazanian, uh, two of the best. They're on LinkedIn. They're on Twitter. You can follow them, check them out, and talk uh, chat GPT or anything else, technology, innovation, and strategy, and all that. Gentlemen, thanks for spending uh, some time this evening with us, uh, with me. Happy holidays to everyone. We'll chat with you guys soon. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan.